Hi, and welcome to the Reiki from the Farm podcast brought to you by me, Pam Allen LeBlanc from Hiddenbrook Farm. I am a scientist, a businesswoman, and a licensed Reiki master teacher with the International Center for Reiki Training. Each week in this podcast, you'll be entertained as you learn about a wide variety of relevant Reiki topics, helping you become a more knowledgeable and effective Reiki practitioner. We caution you, though, this podcast may also dramatically improve your life, and we are so happy that you're here. On this week's podcast, I am talking with Arthur Baird. Arthur is a licensed Reiki master teacher. He is a sound and crystal healer, and he is one of the owners or partners in a peace place in Sedona. And welcome, Arthur. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Before we get too far in, I just wanted to let you know about our January classes. In January, I have a full lineup of level one and two Reiki masters, animal Reiki and animal Reiki master courses. And in February, we are actually teaching some online animal Reiki master and Karuna Reiki classes. So go ahead and um, join us for those if they speak to you. And Arthur, what have you got coming up? The, the winter tends to be on the slower side for us. Okay. Uh, we, but we do have some classes in January. I know we have some in February. I just, I'm really bad with dates. So. But don't worry. I, I am going to put a link to your uh, website and all of your information yeah. in, in the podcast and, and in the description so people can get to them. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. That's always and, like, oh, go to the website. There's way better information. You guys have amazing things like you have crystal classes, you have sound classes, you've got that beautiful crystal shop that I never wanted to leave when I got to visit. And then there's the bonus of visiting Sedona when you um, yep. go and take a, a class with you guys. My classes are all online. Are you doing in-person classes now? We do as a hybrid, basically. So mm -hmm. we, we teach all of our classes in person, but we invite the students to attend either in person or digitally via Zoom. I think that's fantastic. I know I was talking with Jill Teal the other day and she said one of her students was exhibiting COVID symptoms. So instead of coming to class, she stayed home and did it online. I think it's wonderful that to have that flexibility. I do know our next big round of crystal classes is going to be in March. But that way, actually, for right now, we're having uh, another LRMT friend of ours, uh, Jay. Jay. Jackson. Jay is co-teaching those uh, crystal classes with us and including, well, no, that's going to mean the fall, not the spring, but the spring, we do have our next series of crystal classes, which mm -hmm. we're now teaching again. Those were originally uh, Laurel's classes. And so they were on hiatus uh, for a while and just not getting back in the swing with them. I'm so glad to hear you teaching them. And a lot of the people listening will have heard of Laurel. And Laurel is your stepmom. And just, in fact, she, her name has been coming up in a lot of podcasts lately. And I guess we're all, she's always on all of our minds. So I'm so glad that you've got her classes going. I know you've taught them together with her. And... Uh, so glad that those are going again, Arthur. Thank you. Before we go too far in, I just wonder if I can invite everybody to join us in a little invocation. So I'm going to invite the listeners to close your eyes if you're able. Bring your hands into Gasho and invite your symbols to join you today. And I think sound is energy. We sometimes invoke the symbols through the sounds of their names by singing them or chanting them, repeating them silently or out loud. And I think of a verse from the Christian Bible, in the beginning there was the word, 
And in many traditions, there is the thought that sound is synonymous with creation. And so today, as we bring sound together with Reiki, we do this often. Reiki flows through the sound of our voices. Reiki can influence our words. Sound can be so important on so many levels and in so many ways. And it flows beautifully with Reiki for healing. And so today, as you listen to us talk and as you listen to the beautiful meditation Arthur will lead us on later, I invite you to just consider how sound is important in your world. How listening to music can inspire or calm or completely change your mood or emotions. How the sound of birds revitalizes us, wakes us up in the morning and puts us to sleep at night. How the sound of the voices of people that we love make us so happy can soothe. Thank you for showing up today and for all of the beautiful sounds that you, your energy, make in the world. Namaste and Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Arthur. And I know I will say, (laughs) I'm no uh, uh, religious scholar or anything like that. So that's an uneducated understanding. But my understanding is with the the Greek Bible, the better, the word is logos, which I think does translate to the word. But really the intention was more, there was sound. It wasn't about language, but it was about sound, vibration. When you think about even the big bang theory, the bang is a sound. And so all really, I think in all traditions, sound is the beginning of creation. And I wasn't expecting that to come in that just flowed in today. So I think it was somehow important Mm -hmm. uh, in what we're doing. But listen, tell me a little bit about your Reiki journey and, and how sound and Reiki came together for you. And uh, what happened there? In a lot of ways, weirdly organically. It's my Reiki journey is a little bit of an unusual one, considering for me, it, it was the family business. And so it was at you know, a very young age being introduced to these modalities, and they were just what you did. There is less of that that um at least from part of my family, less of that questioning that a lot of people tend to have to deal with. Like we mentioned Laurel earlier. I know when, when she first started her Reiki journey, one of my favorite stories was, so her family, of course, had the somewhat stereotypical response of, are you joining a cult? Is everything okay? (laughs) Yeah. And one of my favorite stories is how she tricked them a little bit with a little bit of an experiment using the Sunday family dinner, cooking a pot of chili or serving chili, I should say, and actually cooking two identical servings, two pots. And she actually went out and bought extra utensils and stuff. So the two pots were as identical as she could physically make them. Same, the exact same pot, exact same ladle. I mean, everything was identical, except she reikied one pot and not. And actually specifically used the, the power symbol and at the entire night, the whole family's like, what's different about the pot? What's different? They're, it tastes different. Entire night, she's going, nothing. It's all the same ingredients. And then finally, at the end of the night, everyone had dessert and everything was setting back and just enjoying company. And she's like, okay, there was one difference. And they're like, I knew it. She goes, I reiki the one pot. <laughs> and they could really 
it was that obvious they could taste the difference. They could taste the difference. Yeah. And so now all pretty much all of our family are either Reiki practitioners or receive Reiki, if not <laughs> practitioners themselves. <laughs> but all of it embraced it at least. I love that, Arthur. What a great story. Yeah. And- yeah that was one of the, the, the family jokes was Laurel's favorite saying was now's the time to do reiki <laughs> it always had that voice in the back of our head <laughs> which was always right always it's the time yeah, exactly to do always <laughs> yeah i love but, that uh, so when did sound come into it so you've had reiki around how old were you when uh, well, you first introduced to reiki because you're unusual in that way yeah so my first experience with reiki was as a an infant really it was shortly right. after I was born that Michael started his Reiki journey. My dad started his Reiki journey. And so when I was a, uh, a toddler, I would actually, it so happened that Reiki Sure night was the visitation night. And so our midweek visitation. And so I'd right. go with them to the Reiki shares as a toddler. The, uh, yeah, that was, so one of my other little favorite story, personal stories, too young for me to remember, just having Michael told it over the years. We always talk about you know, as human beings, we like our rules. You know, things are done a certain way, and we like our structure as uh, human beings as our way of understanding things. And there, there's a reason for the rules a lot of times. Like the general rule of thumb in a session is you don't want to interfere with someone's process. You just you're that loving witness. There's a reason for that. But also go with intuition. Go with your guide. <laughs> and the one of the things we always teach our students, the rule of thumb is don't, if a client starts crying, don't do anything different because you don't want right. to disrupt that release. Don't touch them. Don't, don't say anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Nothing changes. But one of those times when I was at Reiki share as a toddler, the person on the table started, I was actually like, apparently the way Michael described it is I actually had my belly propped up against the table standing on a chair because I was only like maybe two years old or something. And the person on the table started bawling mid-session and started having a strong release. And little toddler me actually climbed up the rest way on the table into her arms and gave her a great big bear hug. And all the two, of course, all the adults around the table like, he's interfering. (laughs) But Oh my gosh, I'm thinking that's the cutest thing ever. Right? Oh, that's cute. Oh, he's interfering. But as soon as I hugged her, she actually hugged me right back and started bawling even harder. And what it was in that case, unfortunately, is she had lost a son who would have been my age. And so for her, it was her son letting her know he's okay. Oh, now you're going to make me cry right at the beginning (laughs) of the podcast. It's always go with that. Just be in the moment. Go with that guidance. So, yeah, I very young age you started had that young. kind of influence not to say I, I didn't I also I, I have my issues with trusting in the flow like everyone does because I also my mm-hmm. other side of the family yeah like you said Laurel is my stepmom my bio mom was not very breaky. so I, I did experience both sides yes <laughs> but the so it, it was always there in the background and then I actually don't know why my dad got into it but when I was probably he started when I was like six or seven years old my dad got into Middle Eastern drumming and and then it became a thing him and I did together was the drumming and so I think part of the reason why drumming to this day is my one of my favorite sound modalities is the nostalgia factor there's definitely yes. a component of that. Sure. But my, my first, I actually had my first conscious memory of interacting with sound healing before I actually started my Reiki, my personal Reiki journey. I was eight years old. I was hanging out with my dad at a pagan festival in St. Louis, in the park, okay. one of the parks in St. Louis. Yeah. And he had his little booth doing his, you know, salesman thing, selling incense and drums and every little thing. And of course, being eight years old, I got bored and <laughs> decided yeah. to go explore the event. Well, 
after about an hour or so, Michael's like, huh, it's been a while since I've seen Arthur. I should go find him. Turns out there is a drum sound healer who used djembes, the African style drums, oh, uh, where we'd have the person lay on the ground and then would drum the djembe over them. Who said, hey, I found him. I remember going over and like, hey, that's cool. Mind if I join in? He's sure, and handed me this drum and I'm doing djembe sound healings in a park in St. Louis. At eight years old. At eight years old. You started young. It just, that's a, just happened organically and, and grew. And then it's now in life, as I've stepped more into that role of teacher, I realized what the lessons were behind some of that stuff. As a teenager in that know-it-all stage of teenager mixed with the questioning everything of the world, <laughs> you know, the subtle energy of Reiki wasn't always very apparent. I, it's not that I didn't trust in it, but it, there wasn't a tangibleness to it. Mm-hmm. It was more, for me, basically it was a leap of faith mm-hmm. to trust in the energy, but sound was something I could feel. And so it gave me that confidence and understanding of this is what vibration is. And then from there, I was able to be more conscious of the subtle energy. And so that's why I, one of my uh, recommendations we'll say for Reiki practitioners is get into sound vibration. If nothing else is just a way to experience the vibration. And if you're, you're too shy, that's fine. You don't have to do it with clients <laughs> you know, in right. public, but just that personal work with that vibration. Cause it gives the conscious mind that framework to then understand what's going on and then to let go. Because to me, it's not about developing your intuition, developing your sensitivity. We're all intuitive. We're all sensitive. Yes. You know, it's still technically referred to more often as a woman's intuition or mother's intuition, but it's human intuition. It's just as men, particularly, we're still taught to shut it down. Oh, that's just your imagination. There's nothing to it. No, it, life happens and we develop those blockages, those they really are blockages, not even filters, but the, those disruptions. And we dim those gifts with those blockages. And so sound really helps us to clear past those blockages and get in touch again with what the kids already know. We come in knowing and having a sense of, that sense of awe. Michael always says the enthusiasm. What's the origin of the word enthusiasm? In theos, in God, that sense of awe that sense of divine. And we always talk about, oh, it's the inner child. It's the human. It's just as children are less likely to have shut down to that because hopefully life hasn't happened for them. (laughs) The bad side of life hasn't happened yet. And I've also had my experiences with life. My my oldest son, Mason, definitely had to do a lot of work with him from a young age. He was actually a month premature, was in the neonatal ICU, which here, because NICU has a very strong connotation with it as a word, and it's a very scary, you know, expression, NICU. They call it the special care nursery at our local hospital to soften the impact a little bit. So he had to be in the special care nursery, luckily not for a month, but only for about a, just over a week, which was about a fourth of the time he norm, you know, would on average would have spent in there. But when he came home, this brand new baby literally was having, the only thing I could describe him as is night terrors. And we're like, what is going on? He hasn't had the life experience to have, like, what's going on here? we what we did, how we fixed it, is we did a spirit clearing. And working with him, I mean, one of my first, one of the early, I shouldn't say my first, because there were other proud moments as a father. My early proud moments is he was, I want to say he was only around 18 months, something like that. 
he actually, I happened to bring my drum that I used for all my sessions. I happened to have it bring it home when I was sitting in our entryway. He picks up my drum and starts playing it in rhythm. You're I'm kidding. Like, That's my boy. Arthur, I had never really heard of sound healing that much or putting sound together, but I had made a, a native moon drum with my friend Carlos Gomez and it was very special drum to me and it was a real spiritual process. I actually made it just prior to doing my Reiki masters in England with William Rand. And I think Michael, your dad wrote an article about sound healing quite a few years ago now in the Reiki news magazine. And I read it and I thought, that's fantastic that you can put Reiki together with drumming. And uh, I don't know if you'll believe this, but I worked, uh, I work with horses. I work with, I've trained horses and worked with horses for years. And I remember I had a group of horses in here for training and I actually trained the, their people how to work with them rather than just me do it because because that's the most important and there were a couple of horses that had really big energy blocks in around their heart area and we were really struggling to get through to them and I thought what do I have to lose so I brought my drum out my Reiki drum and used that technique with the horses and also with the horses people and Mm -hmm. I just want to tell you what phenomenal results we had and then I was really fortunate the first time I met you was in New York in I think it would have been 26 2015 in June maybe of 2015 or no 2016 during a Reiki retreat in New York and you and Michael were presenting on sound healing and I was so I felt so fortunate to actually get to sit with and work with Laurel during that was really special, but I love, I loved what you taught us with regards to Reiki going together with the drum and it, it can have such a powerful effect. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about some of the teachings around Reiki sound healing and and I like what you said about how tangible it makes it mm-hmm. well and since you brought up the having made a drama that's the other thing because there I always do like to put it out there first I'll back up and say this that that's the other reason why the drum is my preferred instrument to work with because there's something primal about mm. the drum it really does take us back to that womb state. And that's on that. I will say too, is you, you, how many people say, Oh, I have no rhythm. I have two left feet. And that's why they avoid stuff like music and stuff. They're like, Oh, I wouldn't be able to do it. We all have rhythm. We may have two left feet, but we all have rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all, we're not all great dancers, maybe, but we all have rhythm because we all had roughly nine months of intensive rhythm therapy in the womb between not just the, our mother's heartbeat. And that was a major part of that rhythm, but all the body rhythms, all the sounds and stuff. And so with the drum, I think part of the reason it's so powerful is it is taking us back to that womb state and, and that, that nice, secure, safe space. Um, they've also, I will say they've also done some, EEG studies and brainwave studies and have officially scientifically proven that a continuous monotonous drum rhythm at about 180 beats per minute. So roughly this speed actually forces the brain and trains the brain into the theta state, the deep state of meditation where a body taps into its own healing potential. Now what's interesting about that 180 beats per minute monotonous rhythm that is the shamanic journey rhythm. That is the rhythm shamans been using for really who knows how many eons. I don't know if it's a 
it's the core of the rhythm of not the rhythm like the aboriginal tribe probably uses like i don't i haven't studied them enough directly to say oh yeah they definitely use this rhythm but i know the aboriginal tribe somewhere between 10 and 12,000 years of history on the aboriginal tribe so who knows how far back we're talking right the but so the, the drum is that there's two reasons there's the nostalgia factor and then just the power the, the visceralness, the primalness of the drum is why it's one of my favorite instruments to use. On with the drum, though, there is still the lingering bias against a synthetic in, our, in the global society. And why? It's, I know. We were talking earlier. I've, I've used your synthetic why? drum at the... At- at different uh, in Sedona and in New York, and they're beautiful. They they, are, as long as they're well made. Fair right. enough. As long as they're well made. They're vegan and they're beautiful drums. Like, but the sound from them was just lovely. Oh yes. And we, between Michael and I, we have done literally thousands of journeys to meet the spirit of the drum with the synthetic drums. Everyone meets a spirit. I think Can it's I just- it's about our intention. I agree. Can I say something about synthetic, though? This is something, a conversation that Colleen Benelli and I had that really shifted my understanding, my belief, mm-hmm. my, my focus. She was meditating with the earth one day. And I, I know myself, I really have to admit that I had a, maybe a deep disdain for man-made or synthetic fabrics or whatever have you. And uh, the plastics on the earth and this sort of thing and in the meditation the earth said to Colleen you call it synthetic and man-made but you do realize it all comes from me right <laughs> you know and and, and I love yep. that 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 just completely changed my my viewpoint and I think about that all the time that we sometimes have a prejudice against something man-made or synthetic, but it all came from the earth, every single bit of it. And the way I look at it is it, everything comes from source. Yes. Of the, that collective consciousness is part of source. It really so it's coming is. coming through. And now I will say that, like you, with what you did with the drum you made, if you have the chance to make your own raw high drum, please do. Mm. Partly because, and that's why some people may not want to do it, is it's very much a birthing process. It really is. <laughs> it's an intense process. You know, I made a, a couple raw high drums, and I did actually adopt those drums out because I just end up using my synthetic drum most of the time, so they weren't getting the love and care that they deserve. So I did adopt them out. But the one drum came together fairly easily. Only took me probably about three hours to make. The other one was the difficult one. I want to say it took me something like six hours <laughs> to make because the center ring kept breaking on me. So I had to redo the web. Something with our process, we actually... It was a five week process. And each week we would come for the teachings and be given our task with the drums. So for mm. one week, we ju- or I think for two weeks even, we just sanded. And as you sanded, you, you had to think through different questions and processes. And then another week it was putting the bear grease on the drum and another week the tongue oil. And then, and so it just, it really was a, a beautiful and incredible process so much so that I actually took my son and he made a drum and my youngest my oldest daughter never was guided to but my youngest daughter then also decided to join me so I actually and then I made another one myself and have hosted my friend here to to Mundra hopefully once COVID is over and we can gather again easily I'll be able to have him back to do more because yeah, you're right. It, it's a beautiful process making them. And you really develop that connection mm-hmm. just like a birthing process. It's, 
I think part of the reason why the there there is some chemical stuff that goes on the I think it's I want to say where I heard somewhere it's the mother falls in love during the pregnancy. A father falls in love the first time he lays eyes on the child. Okay. Because there there is some brain chemical stuff that goes on the first time they actually look at the child and physically interact with the child. But part of the reason I think there's that such a strong bond between mother and child is because the mother knows what she had to go through to bring that child into the world. I have to agree. (laughs) (laughs) And it's in that same realm. It's not the same process, but that realm of it's a trial tribulation process. It's a hard process, but when you're done, you're like, okay, it was worth it. The drum definitely was, and I've used drums with uh, stubborn and stuck energies, and uh, I did get, I was shy at first, but uh, it was actually your course that helped me get over my shyness and uh, start bringing the drums sometimes into a Reiki session, and, and I would tell them beforehand, I'm getting, I'm guided to use my drum with you today, would that be all right? And they would say yay or nay. I don't think anybody ever said nay. And powerful healing ensued when I added Reiki with together with sound. You got into some, I, I know the drum is your favorite and, and I know that you work with different types of drums, but you took it even further. And I think you got into music to bowls and different areas. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it's, were you ever at a retreat with Ula, the the flower, a flower? What did you say? She's Swedish. I think or Finnish. Was she at our last retreat? Ah, in Sedona? I don't think she was. No. It would have been. Oh no! Wait, um, was she? Was she re- did she do a recording for one of the online retreats? Was that her? Not no. that I remember. Okay. No, no, I wasn't. She was a. Or she is. I should say, I mean, I say what put in the past is only because I haven't talked with her in, in a number of years. The, as far as I know, she's still alive, still healthy, still, you know, still practicing. <laughs> she was a, cla- or what is a classically trained concert. And I, I want to say it was, was it the Boston Symphony or one of the bigger symphonies in the U.S. that she professionally worked for also did sound healing. Uh, her focus, in, instead of, a lot of times when people say, oh, I do sound healing with flutes, you think Native American style, kind of indigenous style flutes. She used the concert flute primarily. It, it's, with sound healing, I think that's the biggest misconception that's unrealized is sound healing means something specific. It doesn't. Sound healing is meant to be a catch-all term. Mm-hmm. And the way you do sound healing is you use sound vibration for healing. But the healing in drums are a nice primal instrument to use. Bowls, singing bowls. Part of the nice thing about singing bowls is the continuity of sound, the continuousness of the sound. And so it's easier just to produce this tone that then the person zens out to because they get lost in the, basically the monotony, for lack of a better word. If you're an electric guitar player, you can do sound healing with your electric guitar. It may not be meditative healing, but it's still healing. <laughs> it sound healing. Well, you know, I it's think that music. might be why we are so drawn to music. And as you say that, I've always known that I can feel the Reiki flowing in my voice during the podcasts. And people will say to me afterwards that they really like my voice. And I chuckle because I think my voice sounds better when Reiki flows through it. I, I'm not, you do not want to ever hear me sing. I love it. It just doesn't sound the way it's supposed to sound. <laughs> Afterwards, my father and I sing on the, the same way. And 
And yeah, it's not, my kids thought it was really good until they got a little older <laughs> and realized. But even right. still, I know just the spoken word. Like the, I always ask Reiki to flow through my voice when I teach classes. Mm -hmm. I also ask it to give me discernment with the words to use because I realize as I learn to listen better and as I, as my relationship with Reiki deepened, I recognized how important each word was. And I, I used to just say words that were close enough. And, and I realized, no, it, it's really important to get the right word and so I use Reiki that way all the time and I, I so I know what you mean like I think it, it goes beyond just using a flute or a, it's really everything and we even have in Karuna Reiki we learn to chant and tone our mm -hmm. symbols you put the sound and the breath behind those there's a lot of power to them isn't there and, and I know it may make me a little bit of a, a rebel I, I chant the Yusui symbols too. So do I. Inside. Oh, so do I. <laughs> Ever since you I know? learned chanting and toning, I started doing that. And I even chant the, the new symbol for the animal Reiki and tone that. It's, yeah, I, we do too. My husband and I, we laugh because he, he said, I, I interviewed him on one of my podcasts and he said, if you had told me that I would be chanting Reiki symbols, going for our walk in the woods every morning. I'd have thought you were crazy, but it's something that we do. We walk and we chant and tone, and there's some woodland that we're trying to work with to bring back some of the trees and help them be mm -hmm. healthier. And he just let me know. He said, I, I went and I chanted some symbols to them, and I brought them some symbols to help them. And he really, some of the trees that, needed help he really went through the woodlot and really worked with them individually <laughs> yeah and they actually we'll say in the last 10 years they on the safe side i think it may have been more recent than that at least that the paper was published but there is a scientific study showing that plants have emotions the way the humans do and the reason why they respond is because they're empathetic just like when we mirror emotions between people the plants are mirroring our emotions too because they process the emotions essentially the same way that humans do uh, and they have the, the feelings uh the way we, that humans do it, it really is that's why i always laugh with science you know, people are like I, I, my big thing as a to me i see one of my big uh soapbox missions as a teacher is to really push the idea of complementary and integrative. They're not separate. It's how do we use it all together? And I, I do come from a scientific background. I, I did clinical research, or not clinical research, lab research, cell research in college and stuff. It's like, yeah, no, I get the science side of stuff. Um, what I'm trying to say is they're not different. <laughs> I'm as, as a scientist, Arthur, I am the same. And I, I have that really inquisitive nature. And I drove my poor, my first Reiki teacher crazy because I'd call her and say, Ellen, this miracle just happened. And she'd say, yeah. And I'd say, why? How? And she'd just say, can't you just trust it? No, I need, but the more research I did, the more I realized that science backs this all up. And even what you're mm -hmm. saying about plants, I had read years ago. I'm an agricultural scientist. And, and so plants and animals are what I studied and what I love. And I remember years ago reading research about a group of plants that they yelled at and a group of plants that they complimented and spoke to nicely. And the difference, like the chili, like the difference was absolutely like they they measured growth rates and just all of the parameters that's that we would measure as scientists the difference was astounding so i love that you bring up the emotions of plants and i know that the trees enjoy it when we do this we just purchased that land a little while ago and it was actually owned by a very good friend but somebody who didn't live close by and so he wasn't really able to be there. 
we're on that land every day and uh, it seems happier. Spreading mm-hmm. Reiki into it. Tell us, yeah. is there anything else? I know you're going to lead us on a meditation today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about Reiki and sound before moving? Well, as far as go back to the, like how to do it side of things, basically, yeah. is Mike always joked in his presentations that we eventually did develop the modality, the practice of Reiki drumming. When we first started approaching it, it was you do Reiki drumming, but you pick up a drum, you drum, you do Reiki. That's Reiki drumming. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> no, but I think I've, I've been in your classes and I think you teach us some really helpful, effective <laughs> things. There is. And, yeah. Wait, it's are the other class sound class we teach is Reiki Sonics. And I always tell people in the classes, this is not meant to be a system of approach. This is really just meant to be our combined 40 years of experience. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's the point of the Reiki Sonics classes. Here's some tricks and tools that we picked up over the years. And so you can take that foundation and run with it. And how did we get that foundation? We did it. We basically it. were, to a large extent, self-taught. It just, just, just do it. About Reiki Sonics, Arthur. I'm not really as familiar with that. I've done Reiki but, drumming with you, but not Reiki. So with the Reiki Sonics class, we cover more with uh, voice, the singing bowls, and then tuning forks. Covering some of the other ways of approach that are common out there. and. It's just find, excuse me, sorry about that. (laughs) Find the instrument that works for you, even if that's your voice. And it doesn't have to be professional singing quality voice. It it can, you can do it more in like a hum sense. (laughs) Just so the, the human vocal cords could be your instrument. Find the instrument that works for you, that resonates with you, that you're drawn to. And start using it and start incorporating Reiki. For me, the way I combine the two, the, what makes sense for my mind is I see the instrument as a continuation of my body. And so instead of beaming the Reiki through my hands, for example, I'm beaming the energy out the instrument. Oh, and that nice. the sound waves are then carrying that Reiki energy further. Other people see it as, okay, I'm doing the sound, there's the sound vibration, and I'm doing the Reiki, there's the Reiki vibration. And they're both interacting with the person. Whatever trick you have to basically tell your mind to, for your conscious mind to, to work with it, mm-hmm. that's how you do it. Okay. You know, find, find that personal ritual that works for you and just start doing it. And for a lot of people, yeah, I would say start with yourself first because they're most of us have been silenced at some point in our life <laughs> by oh an gosh. authority figure. And oh, we yeah. have that shine in. And yeah, no, definitely. Start with yourself. Start it by yourself in a quiet room. <laughs> and just start getting the feel for it. And the more you work with that, actually, the more it helps clear away those blocks. I actually remember one time I, I came into the store I they say like a, a bad frog in my throat for lack of a better way to describe it. There's just something in my throat and it just wouldn't clear. And I was like, ah, it's not going away. Well, nothing better to do kind of thing. I'll, you know, try it. Why not? I picked up a, a G note bowl. And so the, the musical note G helps to resonate with the throat tracker specifically. Okay. And I played this G note bowl, crystal bowl, and then hummed to match the tone. And I did that for maybe, I want to say it was only like maybe 10, 15 minutes. And whatever is my throat completely cleared away. And so that's the more you actually just do it, the easier it actually becomes. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. I love it. Arthur, I think you're going to lead us on a meditation with your sound bowls today. And for any of you who are listening to this while driving, if you're listening to the podcast, just please hit pause because these meditations. 
and uh, we care about you. Uh, and for everyone else, I take it away, Arthur. I, I'm looking forward to this. Well, and I will say there is definitely a reason why Michael's not allowed to listen to meditative, anything remotely meditative in the car when he's driving. <laughs> okay. So the next thing is, like you said, for those who are not in a safe place to meditate, pause. <laughs> for those who are in a safe place to meditate, just, you know, take a moment, roll your shoulders, roll your neck. If you're not, uh, if you're standing, shake the hips, just kind of get nice and loose to let the tension out of the body. And then when you're ready, go ahead and come into Gasho. And just bring that awareness to your hands, bring the entirety of awareness to your hands and on your breath. As you take nice, big, deep cleansing breaths. And then when you're ready, go ahead and imagine a ball of pure divine love and light, an inexhaustible source of pure divine love and light floating above your head. When you can clearly see that in your mind's eye, go ahead and do one big, deep inhale, pulling that pure divine love and light down into your body. And on the exhale, allowing that pure divine love and light to expand outwards in all directions, infusing every part of your being and beyond with that pure divine love and light. Let's actually go ahead and do that a total of three times, pulling that pure divine love and light in on the inhale and expanding it out on the exhale. Now that we've cleared and cleansed our bodies, made them a nice loving place for our consciousness, let's go ahead and do another breathing technique to fully ground ourselves in this moment and in our bodies. This time I'll go describe the process first, go through it, and then we'll actually do it together. So once again, we'll do another big, deep inhale. But this time you're going to imagine everything that is you the entirety of your existence, your essence, your being, your consciousness, whatever name you choose to give it, everything that is you. It's collecting in the center of your chest. And then on the exhale, allowing that to expand, to fully fill every little part of your physical body, every little nook and cranny, but no further, just the physical body. And let's go ahead and do that together. Deep breath in, collecting in the chest, and exhale, filling the physical body. Deep breath in, and exhale. Once more, deep breath in, and exhale. Fully confident, you are fully present in your body now, looking directly out from behind your own eye. Go ahead and just allow your hands to find a nice, comfortable position, whatever that looks like for you. And now, you go ahead and imagine that it's a beautiful, warm, sunny day with perfect weather. And on this wondrous day, you find yourself walking through a vibrant emerald green forest, teeming with life. With each step you take, each breath you take, you can feel the life force of that forest 
entering deeper and deeper into your body, washing away the worries, the cares, the stresses of the day, leaving you feeling buoyant and joy-filled. And as you continue to walk through the forest, you notice that the path beneath your feet is becoming sandy. And that you're approaching the edge of the forest. And as you exit out of the forest, you find yourself on a pristine, beautiful beach. And spread out in front of you is the vast ocean with crystalline water. And you're so struck by the beauty that you just decide to take a nice, gentle little stroll along the water's edge. Where you can feel the waves wash up and brush against the feet and then wash back out. And as you continue down the beach, you come across a piece of driftwood that along with the sand forms the most perfect seat, most perfect recliner you've ever seen in your life. And you decide to stretch out and relax against that recliner. Finding the most comfortable position, the deepest state of relaxation you've ever found yourself in. And you begin to notice that the rhythm of the waves is matching the rhythm of your breathing. Washing up on the inhale. Washing out on the exhale. And you can see as the light plays against the water surface, against the ripples and the waves, creating a kaleidoscope of color, entrancing you. And along with the rhythm of the waves of your breathing, lulling you into an ever deeper state of relaxation to the point that the ocean is beginning to call to you to guide you. And you realize this is no ordinary ocean. It is the ocean of holy love, an ocean of liquid light, of pure energy. And this ocean is beginning to guide you. Feel free to follow that guidance.
And so in your own time, go ahead and start coming back into your body, taking time to wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers, wiggle your hips. And when you're ready, slowly sit up. Take a moment, take a couple deep cleansing breaths before getting up and moving around. Thank you, Arthur, that was lovely. And thank you for joining us here today. It was my pleasure. I'm so glad. And I just wanna thank the listeners as well. Thank you for all that you do and just be aware of the sound in your environment and the sound with Reiki going forward that this is an opportunity to combine the two in whatever you do. Namaste. Namaste.